Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast, 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from the perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Top story, round the clock, takes up half the news is what's going on with, of course, they talk about it as the whistleblower scandal of Trump. The accusation is that Donald Trump, in a phone call with the president of the Ukraine, said repeatedly that he would hold some aid that we're giving them contingent upon this guy investigating Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, and his position at a big gas company, Burisma Holdings, in Ukraine. Now, we talked about this on the WSB show at length this Saturday, which we are going to post during Drive Time News Blast on Wednesday, two days from now. So you can hear some of the backstory of what went on with Ukraine. But there is, I, I mean, what what happened in Ukraine is very complicated. And you're never getting the information from the mainstream media. What I remember and played on the air on Saturday was that Victoria Nuland, the Assistant Secretary of State for that region, and the Ukrainian ambassador, Jeffrey Pyatt, were plotting a coup against the legitimately although corrupt, elected president of Ukraine, and they needed an international personality to, as we talked about already, quote, midwife this thing, and that was Joe Biden. So Joe Biden was instrumental in getting this coup accomplished. Victoria Newland, so that was in, like, February of 2014. In December of 2013, there was uploaded a video of Victoria Newland. I believe it happened in December 2013, where she said, I just got off the plane from Ukraine. She's in a she's talking to a bunch of business executives. There's a Chevron logo behind her. And she's saying how she spent five billion dollars of U.S. money uh, getting the hearts and minds of the Ukrainians over to her side. There's also hidden audio of how when the Maidan turned violent, the same snipers were hitting both sides. So it was intentionally created to be violent. Okay. So it seemed like now this is historically the West of Ukraine is more European and the East was more Russian, but democracy is a bitch. And that guy won and he went with Russia because Russia was making a better deal for gas and financing and all that. And we just would not stand for that. So in April, one of several trips Biden took, he went over there in April of 2014. And also in April of 2014, Hunter Biden was put on the board of this big gas company. And then I saw that in June of 2014, Burisma Holdings had a kind of conference where they had international oil and gas executives, companies, representatives talking about kind of best practices and cooperation. So when they're when they say Hunter Biden was there just to line his own pockets, I actually that may be true. And he definitely got paid for being on the board, which is normal. Although one report I saw was one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a month to his company, which may be a consulting fee. I don't know. But I think the greater purpose is that you need people on the ground over there if you are going to keep an eye on things, shepherd things. If the whole point of the coup, and I, and I think it's pretty clearly was, to turn the oil and gas, particularly the gas interest towards Europe, towards the West, towards Chevron, towards our allies and cronies, then you need a man on the inside to 
midwife that thing through. And it reminded me that Lolo Sotaro, Obama's stepfather in Indonesia, took up a position with Union Oil Company or a liaison between the government and Union Oil about a year after an, a coup of Indonesia that was supported by the U.S. transferred that country into more of a puppet of ours. So I just, I had, I had, it had thrown up a flag to me. I've seen this pattern before. You have to have a person over there. And then as I started digging into all the other stuff that happened in Ukraine around that time, we put a lot of people in, in the government and in other positions that would help make sure we achieved our goals in Ukraine. That's how I see it. That's how I'm interpreting this. I've got more to say, but I know you do too, Binkley. What, what, what are you coming up with? I have a number of things based on what they've been reporting today, which is all pretty ridiculous. I want to start with how CNN buries the lead. And most of their articles, they don't even include this, but I did find one where they say this, but it's buried at the very bottom portion where studies have shown like 95% of people don't get to in articles this long. It says, CNN has reported that Trump urged Zelensky to investigate Biden's son in a call on July 25th, but did not discuss a pending aid package at the time, indicating there may not have been an explicit quid pro quo outlined in the conversation. The quid pro quo being the basis of this entire madness surrounding this whole non-news story. And then I also wanted to ask you if you wanted to hear one of CNN commentators' explanations of why the whole thing's been debunked about Biden. Maybe a rebuttal to your thing. Oh, really? I do tell. It's interesting they even included this because up until yesterday, everybody on all these liberal networks were given the caveat, yeah, yeah, Biden had some shady, shady dealings that may have been criminal, but Trump shouldn't be calling for an investigation until here I see that they say there's no evidence of wrongdoing by Biden or his son Hunter. The then Ukrainian prosecutor said that in May the Burisma Holdings Company did not violate the Ukrainian law by having Biden on the board and paying him. Trump's claims that Biden pushed for a firing the prosecutor because he investigated a business had been proven false. The prosecutor was seen as corrupt by multiple governments and international institutions, not just the former vice president. That's interesting. You and I saw – now, that that doesn't address at all the real thing that no, Biden did. it doesn't. But you and I – I think you maybe brought it to me. I don't know, but I remember us discussing it and watching it together that Biden was at this Council of Foreign Relations last year. He had like an hour-long like panel and speech, and he, he was trying to act like a legitimate, kind of interesting, relevant politician. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Vaguely, yeah. But, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely certain we looked at it together. Maybe you brought it to me. In that, and, and I, I didn't know what you were about to say, so I didn't um, watch the whole thing. It was like an hour, although I tweeted the whole thing at you maybe 20 minutes ago. Plus, a little, I didn't, I was in a hurry to get it done before we were recording this, so I didn't, I could not find it. I didn't have time to find it, but there was an RT, a Russia Today report, which gave an excerpt of that, in that CFR speech, Biden says, it wasn't a speech, he was just sitting there in a chair talking to the guy. He says, I was leaving, I was in Ukraine, I was leaving in a couple of hours, and I said to them, you're not getting this aid unless you fire that prosecutor. And you know what? By the time I got on the plane, the prosecutor was fired yeah. and, and replaced by somebody better. So yeah, I do now, remember that. 
my guess is if I went back and listened to the whole thing, it certainly isn't going to have him saying my son Hunter. It's going to have him saying what you just said, which is this guy was widely discredited and I was trying to do the right thing. So this to me is like the back and forth art of ambiguity thing that's going to continue to feed both sides of the fire. And I have more to say about it, but go ahead. The new wrinkle in the story is that Peter Schiff yesterday went on Jake Tapper's State of the Union show and said that this whole scandal with Ukraine is going to basically back us into a corner where we, where we have no choice but to impeach. Because before it had been the moderate Democrats don't want to impeach, the progressives do. But now, and they are calling it, they are literally calling it the Russia of 2020 because of foreign interference between Trump and Ukraine – we got no choice but to have impeachment hearings. Well, the whole story, as you know, is based on an anonymous complaint that is reported on by two people who are aware of the anonymous complaint. It's like anonymous twice removed. So there's actually no actual evidence, hard evidence whatsoever. But what I think the impeachment angle will do, and I do think there will be impeachment proceedings and I think the impeachment proceedings, I'm not sure when they will be, but thinking strategically the way that they act is I think the impeachment proceedings could be used as a get-out-the-vote effort. Because if you have the impeachment proceedings leading up to the 2020 election, then they're, do- they're going to fail. Trump is not going to be removed from office. So if that Isn't that what they were doing before the 2018 election? I think so. What, the yeah, like the impeachment thing or whatever they said. They were talking about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And well, I th- yeah, if he loses, then they'll put this as we have – we're out of options. We have no more ways to remove this totalitarian dictator, so you must go vote or we're all going to perish. I think they're using this to enhance the impeachment story and to make it sound like Ukraine is involved in our elections. And it's rather elegant because I think what the real purpose of this whole thing is – that we are escalating our commitment to Ukraine. Trump actually escalated our commitment to Ukraine. Ukraine is still locked in a battle with Russia. And Obama didn't want to make it look like they were we were arming them in this bloody civil war. So for years, Obama only gave support, training, material, stuff like that. And last year, Trump escalated that and now gives them weaponry, javelin weapons. So between loan guarantees and aid, I think Trump released $250 million of aid that they have to turn around and buy weapons from us. That's how foreign aid usually works. You don't write them a check. You give them credit to go shopping at Lockheed Martin or wherever. Like that's how that works. So so Trump is escalating this, and it makes no sense if he's, like, against Russia and not just following the foreign policy of our country, which is to serve the military-industrial complex against Russia's interests. In addition, somebody tweeted me an article from The Hill in March, from March. They tweeted it to me now, but it was an article from March saying, and it had nothing to do with this. It's almost like this inspired, this article from March inspired this scandal from today. It said Obama was threatening the aid or use. It might have been that that parallel that he was threatening aid. He was telling the prosecutors not to investigate this anti-corruption action center. Have you heard of this? I have. 
the George Soros thing? What did you hear? I've just heard the name of the anti the action center. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's a Ukrainian organization that is something that we have had in different places, the Kleptocracy Asset Recovery Initiative, a Democracy Integrity Project. These are different things that have been instituted to give us a legitimacy in in attacking, investigating other opponents, political opponents in other countries where we don't want it's like we can target political opposition in other countries by calling them corrupt by setting these attack dogs to work and this anti-corruption action center is under a lot of fire for being a shill of ours or a shill of George Soros or whatever in Ukraine so according to the hill obama asked them not to investigate the this organization so it's such a parallel story <laughs> that I, I can't help but think it was the inspiration for it all. Yeah. And that also, just to to really understand even a little bit of the further backstory, in the 90s, the very early 90s, George H.W. Bush, in negotiating with Russia to bring the, to basically give up the ghost on the USSR, maybe it was the same time the Berlin Wall was falling, yes, they said he assured them that we would not take Warsaw Pact countries, which was eight or ten countries on the border between Europe and Russia, that we would not take their buffer zone and absorb it into NATO. The Warsaw Pact was a buffer zone between Europe and Russia, so there's no tripwires that can be set up where we send our troops right up to the Russian border and, and do something stupid. Like they said, just we don't need the Warsaw Pact anymore, but you cannot absorb those countries into NATO. Clinton then proceeded to absorb every one of those countries into NATO. So there's no buffer zone in Russia. And this is very serious because Crimea was where they had their Black Sea fleet. I mean, this they, we have been constantly antagonizing them. And we've, we have been conducting joint military exercises over the years. And what Trump is doing is escalating that. And I think it's so hard to reconcile the idea that he's anti-Russian, that they decided to just flip the whole thing yeah. on its head. Because I thought he was a puppet of Putin, but now it's collusion with Ukraine, foreign interference. And for his own, see, it's for his own personal, like, this is a man of no loyalty, right? This His whole thing, his whole image, Trump's image is that he can do irrational things. He can do things that are not consistent with an ideology, that he's just a wheeler dealer. He'll negotiate with anyone. He doesn't care. It's all about him. Now, why he wants to be president again, nobody seems to be able to answer that question. Why This isn't really in his benefit so much as just get him a job that has to suck. The reporting on this is just mind-boggling to me because it just scrambles your brains. They don't mention any of the details that you just mentioned. They gloss over them, and they just act like – all of the past reporting or all of the past stuff that's come out just it either doesn't matter or it's moot. And they flip the script, just like you said. Trump says, well, yeah, I did ask him to look into Biden. I, they should investigate him. Two hours later, Biden, they should investigate Trump. They should investigate Biden. They should investigate – and they're accusing each other of the exact same thing. Yeah, but the, but the aid really has nothing to do with it. I mean we're going to have our aid in there no matter what. 
And they're just trying, in my mind, they're just trying to make it look justified. I think there are a couple of other things that came out of this. One is William Weld, ridiculous person, said that Trump for sure committed treason. Yeah, obviously. You know, so it's just silly. So obvious. And and this just this one thing brought to my mind this that George Soros is behind all this stuff. It's it's so it really feels very clear to me that George Soros is in himself a, a front man. He runs all this stuff. He's a rich guy and whatnot. But all of the it's almost like he's a whole government. It's almost like they call it Soros when it's the CIA or they whatever international version of the CIA there really is. Soros seems to be the face of it, but it goes deeper than that. When Soros dies, this isn't going to stop. And I don't know if people saw this stuff. I mentioned it before, but there was an article in a in a like online magazine called Pando about how Pierre Omidyar was working hand in hand with the CIA and with George Soros on this particular Ukrainian coup. And in, he's the guy who is on our radar politically. Because he's a tech oligarch, whatever, but because he funds the intercepts, Glenn Greenwald, he is the one who got a lawyer for Edward Snowden. And this is a guy who's working hand in hand with our government to overthrow Ukraine, which is not a friendly thing to do to Russia, where Snowden is supposedly hanging out. So this thing goes deep. I don't know who the next face of it is going to be, but I, I think when you see these personalities, even Soros, it's a it's a front. That's funny you mentioned Soros. I met somebody the other day, and I casually mentioned George Soros when we were talking, and she had never heard of George Soros. And I got to explain the George Soros stuff to uh, somebody who did not have an opinion on it, just to see if if it was wrong to mention George Soros. And I don't feel bad bringing up George Soros. I don't think it's anti-Semitic. Oh, I didn't even really. Oh yeah, there was that period when they said it was anti-Semitic. I didn't. He has such a, like, screwy background because of that, yeah. like the way he works with the Nazis. Now, I don't know. I, I mean, when he was 14, maybe he was just saving his own skin. He really got himself in trouble, though, when he said it was the happiest time of his yeah, life. Yeah, that's like, kind of that, that hurt the right problem. there. Yeah. But I don't associate that. I, I don't think he's ever been, like, particularly pro-Israel or, He's you know, I don't pragmatic. think that's his image. I don't see, you know, I don't even want to attribute it to his actual personality or viewpoints or anything. Just the role he plays, I don't see it being that way. Yeah. My overall takeaway from that Ukraine story is that if I'm a criminal, I want Donald Trump to call for an investigation into my criminal activity publicly and as frequently as possible because if he does... <laughs> I know He'd I'll be never exonerated be exonerated before the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Well, a few things uh, on the international front that um, I, I think are relevant to that. So this, this, these things I rattled off: the kleptocracy asset recovery initiative, democracy integrity project. These things are, and what Putin called out Mueller for doing, and he did do, and I'm sure nobody caught the reference. He didn't call Mueller out for doing it. He said, this is what we've been doing, and I know it was Mueller who did it, is that the FBI is for domestic stuff. To the extent that we have dealings overseas, it's, it should be handled by the CIA. But Mueller, right after 9-11, said, well, other people have criminals. They're not controlling, so we get to go over there and clean up their business as a law enforcement agency in a sovereign country, not our own, which is what, what's wrong with all this stuff. And I, I found that what 
See, what's wrong with it is that they have no right to do that over there. Those people have their own country. They they don't aren't going to be able to enforce any kind of limits on the FBI because it's operating in a totally extra legal way. I'm sure it's secret. You just can't you can't have law enforcement in a foreign country. It just doesn't. It's not. It, it's a violation of the law of nations, if nothing else. <laughs> but there's a thing. So today, Trump talked at the UN. And he talks about religious freedom and he called for, he said that the people of the world, that, that rights are God given, not given by the constitution, which I would say most people who, many people who seem to say that don't really believe it because like Guantanamo or places where foreigners are held, oftentimes People will say they don't don't deserve the same protections as we do, even though I think I think one controversial reading of the Fourteenth Amendment is that they actually do. However, he was talking today about this religious freedom in other countries, and and he's calling an action. He's basically making a call to action for different countries to reach out to oppressed people all over the world. Now, it some places this idea of this is complicated now, but there we have these ideas about not having church and state, but you know if you think of democracy as a way where the majority gets to decide, a lot of these what they call confessional states, where the state is a religious body which often was true with like monarchies like England has a state a state church even Sweden which is full of atheists has a state church a lot if in these confessional states oftentimes the vast majority of the people approve of it so when you're talking about democracy if you actually delivered democracy to some of these states they they might be even more oppressive you know so I just say it's I am extremely wary of trying to impose one off these uh soundbite ideological points on other countries. I absolutely there are no justification for interfering to sending our people over any place unless we are actually acting in self-defense. And like, for example, what they're doing with Iran, sending troops over there, and then they're going to say Americans were attacked so that they have a defensive position. But you can't put Americans in harm's way in other countries where you have no right to control the law enforcement. So you just have to really keep that stuff clear and not get caught up in the emotions of it. And one other thing that we did that, that we supported the Afghan government in a strike they just did yesterday or today where 35 pine nut pickers at a wedding were killed, 13 other were wounded, and they're saying, oh, well, we're trying to root out the Taliban. But, you know, we can't support things like that if – were they the targets? Were they collateral damage? We There are no – we don't have our rights and protections and remedies in place over there. It's not right for us to take our money and our – and our soldiers or our weapons or to enforce laws or politics in other countries. I just, I have to object to that strongly. There's a CNN thing that's airing on Sundays now. I only caught a bit of it, so I don't know the full details of it, but it's about 
the untold stories of spies in America, and they talk about the spies in Afghanistan the, uh, related to the after 9-11. And it just felt to me the few minutes I watched that they're going to be using this to retell history in a different way. Well, that's their, how they do it. They rewrite it. They uh, try to undermine the ideology. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's really what – that's that's the problem. I mean, I, I think if we just – I don't even care about so much the letter of the law, but the morality of it. Don't kill, don't steal. Like, just start there, and, and that can inform your politics. Like, yeah. I don't know what those people are doing, and so I don't have the right to go kill them, but – I'm waxing philosophical enough. Let's talk climate change. Oh, great. My favorite. I mean, speaking of the UN, did you see that Greta's, whatever her name is, the Greta Thunberg at the UN this morning, like with her, just, she was hamming it up to the point where I expected them to start throwing roses at her, you know, like ever take a bow afterwards. This Although is... she was reading her script. She should have memorized it. Yeah, her unprepared statements that she was reading from a script this is child abuse. This is the most public form of child abuse that the world has ever seen. This girl is a robot. I feel she's sorry an for actress. her. It's very clear she's an actress. And like, I actually don't know how the Asperger's or Spectrum stuff folds into acting. But if she, if it doesn't yield actors, then I don't, I don't think she's being truthful about that diagnosis. They talk about, acting. yeah, they talk about the childhood of actors who, who grow up in that environment i can't imagine what this woman is going to be like when she's an adult or this girl is going to be like she's going probably to have a lot of problems because they are abusing her and what they're trying to do to other children across the planet across america it's just as bad parents who are taking their children to these protests like today there was a shutdown dc protest today to protest climate change today by the way is the un's uh, the UN summit, the climate change summit is going to be going on for the next few days in New York. So a bunch of children go to D.C. and they flow into the streets of the busiest intersections in Washington, D.C. to disrupt traffic to call attention to climate change. So the line, they're putting their bodies on the line, which is in all of the emails about the climate change stuff. Who's ready to put their bodies on the line? Children are literally putting their bodies on the line, standing in front of oncoming traffic to protest something they have no understanding of that many of them's parents probably forced them to be there. Oh, that's why I loved that article about the Down syndrome and drag thing. Remember? Yeah. I was talking about that, and the guy just worded it so beautifully. He's like, I don't care about this issue at all. Like, I'm not opposed to it as a political issue. It's that if you talk to these kids, you realize they don't understand the political impact of what they're doing, that what they're doing is a, is a, is a fundamentally divisive political action, and it's, they have every right to engage in that but they don't understand it and that raises an ethical concern yes it does there's an episode of black mayor this is not a spoiler it's the premise of the episode it's one of the most recent season and miley cyrus is the star of it and she's a major pop star just like she was she's like playing herself yeah Hannah Montana. Earlier. yeah and she goes out and everywhere she goes children just love her and they scream and they go crazy they want to be like her they buy her products they just they emulate their lives after her and then the background of her is that that she is drugged by her handlers every time before she goes out to perform. Which means what? She's zombified. So whenever she starts to ask questions and not agree with them, they drug her up again. And she goes back oh, into zombie okay. mode. So, yeah. 
Oh, so she's an absolute actual puppet. Yeah. See, that's the thing, right? So not only are they abusing these children, they're using it to brainwash and influence the other children. Yeah. And that and they really do not have any um See, that's the thing. I'm trying to think of another example of it where it's just not like I think of Gabby Giffords. She was seriously brain damaged by getting shot. And she writes like she her speaking is hard to listen to. And but she writes these like really eloquent op ed pieces. And uh, so I don't know, maybe I mean, the, the story is that she's able to write, but not communicate in other ways with that kind of eloquence. Maybe that's true. But you know who's the example I was actually trying to remember? Someone tweeted at me. Stephen Hawking's. Oh, interesting. He does not speak. Well, he's dead now, right? But he is widely regarded while he was alive as the smartest person on earth. And everything he says is just a computer saying stuff that's typed into it. So you really have absolutely, it's like the way FDR was said to be controlled. He couldn't come downstairs if somebody didn't take him downstairs. He was in a wheelchair, which people didn't even know. So if you want to stovepipe somebody, that's a great way to do it. But yeah. with Hawking's, like, I don't – he really had no control over what he said or where he went or what he did or what his book said. Now, let's assume that the people around him had perfect integrity and just did everything they could to make sure that he communicated with as broad an audience as possible regardless of what his actual belief – you know – even if they didn't like what he had to say, they would still facilitate it. Yeah. And even if he was speaking for himself, how do we know if it got hacked? We have no idea if it got hacked because he'd have no way to communicate that. That's a great thought. So that's the thing. Like you see these people saying whatever they're saying. Sometimes you can't even believe it. And then that's then that gives you the deep fake problem. There you go. Perfectly real deepfakes will arrive in six months or less, says a technology professor from the University of California. Now, he likes deepfake technology because he says it's going to be useful for things like fashion shows and you know, maybe virtual reality stuff. You're trying to plan what your house is going to look like. They can deepfake your house with a bunch of furniture or whatever. So he likes deepfake technology, but he says that the real issue is flagging those with manipulative intent. So bring on the deep fake technology, but in six months, we're not going to be able to tell what, what's real or what's not. So we need to flag those with manipulative intent. Are you kidding me? All propaganda has manipulative intent. Any deep fake at all is going to have manipulative intent. And I guarantee you that guy will be fine with it as long as it is manipulating you into believing what he believes. Hey, here's his actual quote. Yeah. The real question is how we can detect videos where the intention is something that is used to deceive people or something that has a harmful consequence. It's deception in the very it premise. Is. That's why it's called the fake. Yes. What the heck? <laughs> but that puts the attention on the intent, on predicting what... So it's not even going to be based on the technology. It's going to be based on if you think a person that released a video has manipulative intent. So it could be a real video... But if we feel their intent is manipulative. But it's all going to be manipulative. It is. By definition, it's fake. It's manipulative. The standard is going to be the message, which is where, didn't you say, and uh, JJ, 
English JJ came back at us saying, yeah, for sure. It was like the gulag for climate deniers or Guantanamo <laughs> yeah. for climate deniers. That's what's going. I saw an article and I think it was written by, it was posted by Cryptagon, but I think it was in the Telegraph, the UK newspaper that said there's a, um, I think it might've been a government guy wanted a crime called echo side, echo side, which would include the, um, Eating meat. Oh. So that that would be a crime because of what it does to the environment. Of course. Obviously, it's going to be a crime. One more thing about this is I think this story parallels kind of what we're seeing with this Biden-Trump story and what we see with a lot of other stories reported in the news where if Trump does it, it's evil and wrong. If Biden or a Democrat does it, it's a mistake or it's not – it's been debunked or whatever. So the same yeah. exact thing can happen, right? So a deep fake, say a video of Trump comes out, Trump says it's a deep fake. They say, no, 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 there's clearly manipulative intent. So that video is real because we know Trump lies. So it's based on the fact that like, oh my gosh, Biden comes yeah. out. There's a video of Biden doing something bad. Oh, no, no. That's clearly a deep fake because we know Biden does not have manipulative intent. So it's all yeah. going to be based on what they say the character of the individual that the video is about. How kooky is the world going to be when we have augmented reality full of deep fakes? So like we're in it. We're in a reality that – I mean, you really do not. It's that exact thing from the courts article about Google with the birds of a feather, like trying to use searches. I'm just still fascinated by the fact that the searches are the greatest insight into your psyche, which I always just dismissed my searches as not really being something I cared about privacy. But it's the opposite. And if they're what they're trying to do is identify and cordon off birds of a feather and those birds don't even have to be other people. And that. In the same breath as the other stuff they were talking about, the internet and cognitive infiltration and um, psychological operations, information operations about how powerful subcultures are in getting people to change their opinions. I mean, this thing could create actual subcultures of nothing, of no one around each individual to literally – and if they can do it with AI, they really don't need to put the kind of resources into it. They just need to program it, and it can apply to everybody, which is why Jeff Bezos is trying so hard to put up cheap satellites. This was just in the news today because 3 billion people on Earth do not have Internet. It's, it was it, – <laughs> and one of the think tanks we heard a while back, just a couple of weeks ago, they said we need clean water, we need food, and we need Internet access. Those are the three necessities that we need to make sure everyone on Earth has. I mean they have to have it. You have to have it. Well, I encourage everyone to take a few minutes today and question the nature of their reality. And you can find your Drive Time News Blast every afternoon, every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report feed. We will talk to you tomorrow.